Come on, bitch, 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 let's go. Come on, get, get, get ready, bitches. Ahoy, Casey. Ahoy. 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 Guess, guess what? What? I'm going to learn a lot about Below Deck today. Why is that? Well, you know how I've been like wanting to know more about sort of the tea on Below the Deck and all mm-hmm. that. And it's like been, you know, hanging over me. Sure, sure, since, sure. Since we, you know, Badeau didn't come on. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So I decided I've had enough and I reached out to an ex, uh, you know, below the deck person who now is considered an expert on the franchise, Adrian Gang, who is uh, the main host of Gang Plank Report, which covers all things below deck. Amazing. I can't yes. wait. I know me too. Let's get her on. <laughs> okay. Ahoy. <laughs> Ahoy, Adrian. Ahoy. <laughs> So three things right off the bat. Um, we don't actually say ahoy, but oh, oh. I love that it's festive here. <laughs> <laughs> so Adrian, first of all, uh, you know, I, I'm a big fan of your show. I first found out about your show uh, when that poor captain passed away very mysteriously. Mark. Uh, Mark yes. Thank you. And I had wanted to get to the bottom of what really happened and your show actually, you know, got a hold of a person who knew the family and everything and really got to the bottom of it. And I, that's when I kind of got, you know, hooked on what you were doing. So, so how are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm actually home in Tampa for the first time in a couple of months. I've been in the Bahamas on charter. So it's been a very busy season, all things considered. I'm grateful for that, but I'm happy to be home for a little bit. So I'm glad that I was in a stable place with good Wi-Fi to be able to do this with you guys. Are you doing mega yachts or what kind of yachts are you on and what are you uh, doing on the yacht at this point? So I am a chef. I have been a chef my entire yachting career. Um, I played a chief stew one time for six weeks on a TV show um, and realized very quickly that that was not for me. The um, differentiation between a yacht and a mega yacht and a giga yacht, and I'm sure there's more terms that they've come up with since then, um, is based on the length and the tonnage of the boat. So most of the boats that I work on are yachts. I work somewhere between 75 and 130 feet and 130 foot boat, just to give you an idea, has about six crew max. And that's about the level to which I allow bullshit into my life. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yeah. The more people you pack on the boat, the more drama and bullshit there is. So I stop at six. My limit is six crew. So So is that, would that have been the below the deck type average size that Bravo would cast for? Is that like six person level or was it bigger? So it's interesting that you asked that, um, for below deck, what we 
were looking for initially. So I was one of the people that helped start the show at the beginning. No way. Um, Marissa, I mean, Adrian, tell me everything. Tell me everything. It was, uh, so I, I can explain that after I answer your question. So initially we were looking for a 130 foot boat, which would have been six crew. And then once we started walking around the boat show and looking at these boats in person with the producers of the show, they realized that 130 feet was not going to be big enough for us and them and guests, meaning us and the camera crew and the guests. Right. Mm. So we ended up with 161 foot Benetti, which at the time is really called Corte Leon, but we called it honor because the owner didn't know. First of all, he didn't love the idea of doing it, but he loved the idea of the money from it. So he <laughs> chartered the boat to us, but he didn't want us to use Corleone as the name. And that was actually how we ended up with Captain Lee, because um, initially when we were still going to do the 130 foot boat, Alex, who was the first mate on my season, was supposed to be the captain. And he was qualified and experienced and licensed to drive a 130 foot boat, no problem. And the insurance company wouldn't have had an issue uh, insuring him for that period of time, but we ended up with the 161 and he didn't have the experience or the licensing to be able to do that. So that's how we got Lee. So Lee wasn't ever cast for the show. He wasn't even supposed to be on camera. And then very quickly, the production company, 51 Minds, realized that they couldn't have just a bunch of drunken monkeys running around the boat with nobody in charge. <laughs> so <laughs> they had to readjust their, their initial, you know, mindset about it. I, I love a lot of the people that worked on that project with me on the first season. Some of them, I don't, I don't like at all, but um, I'm, <laughs> they really didn't know what they were doing. They really had no idea what they were signing themselves up for. Obviously they've, perfected a formula to this point because we're like what 16 seasons in in total on all the franchises yeah so, yeah I mean they know what the hell they're doing now but it was chaos my season and they didn't I mean real TT they only had two camera crews and you know that camera crews are union so they only had them on for eight hours each, which means we only had 16 hours of coverage. So they wow. had them on from seven o'clock in the morning till 11 o'clock at night, which means they missed everything after 11 o'clock at night till seven o'clock in the morning. Oh, when all the good stuff's happening. When all of the good stuff happens, they had nobody covering us. So we would play games like who could unplug the cameras in their room the fastest and they would all have to come in and they were like, fuck you guys. And they would have to like plug in all the cameras and the sound equipment the next morning. And like we, it was, we were bad. We were bad. And there was a lot of stuff that happened at night that they never caught. And they, there was times when they tried to tell our charter guests who were paying to be there to go to sleep at 11 o'clock at night so that they didn't miss anything. And they were like, fuck you guys. We're paying for this. We're, yeah. This is our vacation. We're not going to go to bed. Yeah. So it's just like they felt like cast members of the Bravo show, right? Right. Like, and they yeah. were like, hell no, this is our vacation. Uh, were there secret, like on your season, did they show everybody who kind of was hooking up or like liking each other or did they suppress it? Cause it didn't work for the storyline they wanted to tell. Like, did they let it really happen naturally or. So what I will say, 
I, I know now because I talk to current cast members that there's a lot more manipulation and stuff like that, that they do to the cast. I'll tell you how they manipulated us, but oh, I love um, it. I'll tell you mine. If you tell me yours, <laughs> Yeah, I'll show you mine. Um, yeah. I mean, they didn't, the only way that they could really screw with us was by forcing us to go out when we were off charter, you know, instead of letting us actually sleep, which was what you usually do between charters, um, they would make us go out and they would tell the wait staff at the restaurants to withhold our food and just keep bringing us drinks so that oh we would God. just get plastered. And it was, I mean, that's when all the interesting stuff happened, obviously, but I feel like if they had just allowed it to be a little bit more organic, it wouldn't have been as messy. I mean, Kat still, Kat was um, my second stew on season one. She still would have been drunk no matter what. I mean, right. she still, she still would have allowed herself to get to that point anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I know that they do a lot more now where they're like, they try to kind of push people in a certain direction personality wise. They told me before we even filmed season one that I was going to be the bitch everybody loves to hate but the bitch always comes back. So I was like, all right, well, I don't know what that means. And I had never seen any of the other Bravo shows. So they were like, yeah, just look at Teresa Gudis or somebody like that. They were like, yeah, just watch one of her shows and you'll see what we mean. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to be flipping a table anytime. Soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were, yeah, I, I, I wish that they had uh, coached us. They didn't really coach us that much on, on Housewives of Beverly Hills. And I would have done so much better. Like, even if they had said what they said to you, to me, like they, they didn't give us any gauge. It was sort of like, I, I don't know. I was so ill-prepared for it. Um, I think now like understanding how it works, I think the people study who go on to the shows, like, do you feel like Below Deck has people who like study it and then cast for it? A thousand percent. And what's interesting is that most of them that I have talked to have only been in the yachting industry for like a year or two, but they only did it so that they could then go ahead and audition for the show. Where and are they I, auditioning out of? Well, all over the place. Okay. Um, I know a couple of different people that do casting for Below Deck because every now and again, I'll come across somebody who's just unruly and ridiculous. And I go, do you want to talk? maybe to the casting people for below deck. And I've gotten a couple people on the show actually um, from those conversations. I've also turned over some people who are really good and professional at their jobs thinking, Hey, maybe they want somebody that looks like they know what they're doing. Sure enough. They treat them like shit. So I'm not yeah. doing that anymore. Yeah. But never did. No, send them any good person. Yeah. For no, sure. no, no, no. <laughs> I will not anymore. I promise after the last time. But it's, it's interesting the way, you know, when I'm watching it now, I can, Jen and I, my co-host on Gangplank Report, and I call it at the very beginning of the season, usually right after the first episode airs, who's there because they want more Instagram or OnlyFans followers and who's there because they actually love the job and just happen to want to be on a TV show too. And it's apparent, you know, once you start watching the show, who's there to like, really who's studied it like you said and knows the drama and knows who they need to buddy up with to look good or make themselves look bad eventually which is what's happening on sailing yacht right now um but it's interesting you know it's an interesting study into a a world that most people don't get 
you know, access to. And I think that's what the concept was from the beginning. I know that's what the concept was from the beginning and why it was intriguing to people. And there was a lot of people that were super pissed in the yachting industry that the show was coming out in the first place. Now it's been around long enough that I'm not afraid people are going to throw tomatoes at me at the boat shows. But at first it was dicey. (laughs) At first I was scared because- Why? Because it was so unprofessional the way they were depicting it? That- And I mean, not me personally, but yes, many of the other cast members who just don't care about longevity in the yachting industry. I, up until about a week and a half before, well, two weeks before we started filming, I was going to stay in the background and just help production. That was my plan was to help facilitate things and, you know, be kind of an intermediary for them and help fix, be a fixer for them. And it wasn't until you know, right before we started filming that Rebecca, the creator of the show came to me and she was like, look, Adrian, I can't tell you who they have chosen to do this. If you do not, because I thought I was going to be the chef on the show. And once we ended up with the 161 foot boat, instead of a 130 foot boat, they decided to change it up a little and they wanted a male chef. And I was okay with that because being a chief stew is not rocket science, but it was a job that I had never done before. So, I mean, having to do that job for the first time and have it televised was more than nerve wracking. And I was in my head a lot about it. And I, I see it on my face when I watch my episodes back, which is rare because I still shudder (laughs) and have PTSD and want to crawl in a dark hole, (laughs) but You know, when I watch it back now, I can see how it, first of all, it was the most stressful six weeks of my life. The girls that they chose to work underneath me, they already knew based on our psych evaluations, were going to be combative and, um, insolent. And one of them had a substance abuse issue for most of the season. She, she was on meds like any anxiety meds but she was overdosing herself and she was drinking at the same time and we got into it partway through our season because she had an incident with one of the guests who was a former charter guest of mine and um and then kind of spiraled and I had to go to the captain because that's one of the things that's like a, a hard no on boats if you're doing substance and it's going to affect your job and your ability to help people. And because regardless of the fact that we're shooting a reality show, we're still yacht crew. And if something really bad happened, like a fire or the boat hit something and we started sinking, it is still our responsibility, no matter what, to drop the whole camera crew thing and totally forget about that. Cause they're actually guests on the boat too, and save everybody. And she was to the point of intoxication while we were out in the middle of the water, not attached to a dock with guests on board and the camera crew. And she was really inebriated and it could have been really unsafe if something bad had happened. And so it's my job as her superior and as a crew member on the boat to go to the captain and say, Hey, this is what's going on. And that's what I did. And then she came up with this whole thing about, she just didn't realize she took too much of her anti-anxiety meds because she knew that if she got caught drinking, she would get fired. Do they really and, fire you on the show? Like, I thought that was kind of made up. Is that real? Oh, it, it's happened in successive seasons after that, but nobody got fired on my show. 
No, okay. nobody got fired on season one. But they she, do fire people? Like, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's people that have come on that have lied about their experience. And then very quickly, they figure out that they're full of it and they get rid of them or they've had breakdowns and have to leave or whatever. But people have definitely gotten fired on the boat uh, since my season, not on my season. But she knew that if I, because he said in the very first meeting, the captain said, you know, zero tolerance for drinking. If I find out you're drinking on charter, you're fired. You get a plane ticket home. And so she lied. And then at the reunion, she told the truth and said, yes, of course I was drinking. It's very obvious. <laughs> so, said, yeah. So then she came, came clean. Right. Well, afterwards when there was no repercussions. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, do people want to come back on below deck? Like, is that something that people do on that show? Is it like housewives in that way where they yeah. like hope they'll be casted again? I, yes. And I will tell you, I, I was pretty certain, and so was the rest of the cast that I was with, was pretty sure that I was going to be coming back, Ben was going to be coming back, and Eddie was going to be coming back. And we weren't sure about anybody else or how many of us they were going to bring back, but I was pretty surprised, and so was everybody else, that they didn't bring me back after season one, because they kept telling me the whole time they were going to bring me back up until the very last minute. And then I made an appearance as a guest on season two with previous charter clients from season one, they flew me down and I, I went back to the boat with them. And before that happened, the production team pulled me aside and they were like, look, there's this conflict going on with Kat and this other girl and nobody's talking about it. And we need you to like blow this submarine out of the water. And if you do that, we will bring you back for season three. And I was like, well, eh, okay. I mean, I, at, at that point in time, I was still kind of young and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, well, this- you got it by now. Now it's your first seasons on your belt. You kind of get yeah, what it's about. I, I deserve a redemption season because they tried to make me look really bitchy and unsympathetic. And I was like, that's not really who I am. Now that I have an understanding of what this is about and I'm not terrified, yeah. I'll do it again. Yeah. But then after that didn't happen and they didn't bring me back for the next season and then two seasons, I actually audition to do season seven, which would have been Tahiti. Um, and they didn't bring me back for that one either. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. And now I'm a married lady with two dogs and an awesome life. And I don't need that shit. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. But you know, what's so funny. You're going to love to hear this, but in the early seasons of all the shows, they really went after people that were truly the, like what the shows were about right? Like literally. (laughs) Okay. And it was very authentic because of that. Um, I would imagine that you came off very professional. You were still trying to do things like a real boat, like, you know, (laughs) trying to really not what they wanted. And they, and, and so what happened was at the end of the season, in a sense, you were punished by their lack of, uh, you know, direction on that. They didn't really want a reality show about what they were really covering. They wanted like a, an amplified soap opera where people just like stirred up crap. And at this time when you were doing it, and even when I was doing it, it was very preliminary. And a lot of the fans actually really enjoy the authenticity of the early seasons because of the fact that it isn't just a constant, you know, shenanigans or constant, uh, 
you know, arguments about nothing or like, you know, they, people playing to the camera. Cause that's right. what it feels like a lot to me now. I feel like below deck sailing is a little bit more authentic than a lot of the other ones, but even still I'm looking at some of the cast going, you're here because you want more Instagram followers or only fans followers, not because you really want to exhibit what it's like to live and work on a boat. And it sounds like that was really tough because you guys also, uh, from a production standpoint, getting so little camera time, like it's so forced. I mean, it means that when you go out and you drink, you know, and you get hammered, as you said, that can happen because production is like really all about it. Uh, Force feeding us tequila shots. Well, and I mean, in the early seasons of Beverly Hills, in the contracts that we had, it actually said like you had to be open to drinking at group events. (laughs) So like the sobriety thing didn't exist back in the early days, even in your agreement, it was like an understanding that you were open to that. Um, Which makes sense to me. And now I know that when they're doing casting, they're asking the potential crew members if they're open to not only sleeping with each other, but sleeping with charter guests, which is a big no-no on when you really work on boats. Yeah, for a questionnaire item. Like yeah, their, it's yeah. Like one of their interview questions when they're interviewing new cast, like, would you be open to the idea of sleeping with a charter guest? Like, really? Can we just, I mean, there's enough people to fuck on the cast. Can we just <laughs> leave it at that? Right. And, and what you're, I, I really enjoy what you're saying because what I really enjoyed about the early seasons of, of my franchise of Beverly Hills was that the women really were rich. They really were socialites. They were really like doing all the stuff they were depicting on the show. And all of the drama was hundred percent non-fabricated. In fact, like all the stuff they tried to start just like fell flat on its face and like everything that ended up carrying it for the, you know, for season one, two, and three basically was all legit stuff. Like real, real problems, real shit happening. Right. And it's so dramatic that you can't make it up. Like it's so, I mean, you know, on, on one of my seasons, my best friend's husband committed suicide at the end. Okay. Like it doesn't, you know, I mean, you can't like, this is life, life happening. And I just feel like, you know, as you've mentioned that over time, they become so rushed to get, uh, you know, to, to some sort of drama or whatever that they've destroyed some of the other things that made the shows interesting in your case, for example, the boat running the boat, the dynamics of being in like a summer camp environment with people for periods of time, like the cabin fever, the interaction with the guests that are difficult versus the guests that are easy. Like That's so interesting. I mean, look at the love boat. Like that was such a stupid premise show. It was so simple, but like, it was great. You know what I'm saying? Like it doesn't always have to be so convoluted. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Well, I think there's a couple of things that come into play there. One of them is ratings. And I think that in the mind of the producers, and this is just my speculation because I've never had a full on conversation about this, but in the mind of the producers, they have to continually one-up what they did before. And if they just allowed organic drama to happen, because trust me when I say, when you take a bunch of 20, 30 somethings and give them unlimited alcohol in a beautiful environment with very little inhibitions besides a camera watching you, 
people will turn into either the best or worst versions of themselves. For sure. And I think that if there was a possibility that the producers of this show could step back and look at it and say, you know what, you're right. Those first handful of seasons were a lot more authentic in their organic drama. And it was more enjoyable than taking someone like an Ashley or a Lexi and sticking them in a situation where it's just going to be perpetually explosive. Like you can't send somebody in with a vest full of C4 and expect not, you know, something not to happen. If they're unstable to begin with, it's, it's gonna, it's just going to be a powder keg. And I feel like in a couple of different situations, Caroline included that, through that process of interview, they should have known that what her breaking point was. Caroline and, Bedell. Yes. Yeah, correct. Yeah. And because I listened too. to your, your interview where she was supposed to come on and I feel like they should have known they, they did know they just disregarded. And in those psych evaluations, I don't know what you went through with housewives, but it was pretty thorough. And like, have you ever hurt small animals? Have you ever, you know, they want to make sure that you're not going to be physically combative with someone because that's a hard pass for everybody. And that's an immediate ejection from the shows because it's dangerous and they don't want the liability. Um, but I think there's, there should be a physical breaking point that needs to be observed and, and respected as well that I, yeah. Well, I through. couldn't believe that they let them go that far when I was seeing them saying this stuff through the door. It was I, worse than what you saw too. I actually was like, wait a minute. Like at what point do the producers go, Hey lady, like you, we got it. Like you've already made the drama. Thanks so much. You don't go to the level you're going to like, there's an ethical obligation at a certain point. Like, I mean, what are you going to do? Let somebody get raped on a show. Cause it looks like it could be a uh, great television. Um, they just did that. So yes. is the What are you talking about? Tell me what happened. Uh, I'm below deck sailing. I mean, I was obviously not in the room, but yeah, there was a, a, a very clear sexual assault that happened and th- nothing has been done or said about it whatsoever. It's, what? I mean, the fan base exploded about it. It happened a couple of weeks ago. The fan base exploded about it. Everybody was like, if this was a reverse, cause it was a girl doing it to a guy when he was really inebriated and he said, no, I don't want to do this. No, I don't want to do this. And she's like, oh, but I already put it in. So we're here already. Like anybody who says that a girl can't rape a guy is crazy because it can, it can very well can happen. And that's what happened on the show. And nobody, I guarantee you that Andy's not going to address it at the reunion. Like everybody's just trying to quietly make it go away. They, they put a bye week in during the season after that happened, hoping I'm sure that it would cool off. Also, it was like the summer house reunion or something. But yeah, it was it was interesting timing. For there Crazy. to have been a break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, has what are like the top three, if you can think of them, scandals that have happened in the below deck franchise? Help me out because I'm new to this. And so you're really helping me. Um my Hugh, I would say the first big one was my replacement, who I choose not to name by name. Why um, you don't like her? Just uh, the one that do you do not, not name. Get along. No. <laughs> okay. Um, she... I, what, why? Tell, can you tell me why? I'm I'm very honest about people on the show. I'm like I, you know, Brandy's a, a a slut pig. Like 
I'm very like open. So <laughs> I don't know what a slut pig is. I'll have to Google that. You have to just um, watch the season, but she's okay. forever the slut pig. Okay. So just, we're very open here. You don't have to worry. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a, I, there's a lot of backstory there, but she came after me. She wanted my job after she saw season one and started plotting a takeover of my job. And she accomplished that good honor. Um, I mean, by, by out- what Ouch, like doing drama, being like the producer pet or what happened? Yes. Yeah. Maybe yeah. The behind the sure. scenes, fuck the storyline. What happened happened? Well, she, she auditioned and said she was going to do a better job than me, which again, I had never been a chief stew before she had so good honor, but it just, it was nasty the way that she came after me. And then the way that she went about disparaging me afterwards, which was wholly unnecessary. And I had never done anything to her. Was that so, on the show or was it off the show? She was off doing the, the show. press. So I mean, she also press. said some shit about me on the show because she was there when I showed up with the guests. So she had a lot to say about that and was pretty nasty about it. And I had never even met her before. I had never interacted with her professionally. I had never seen her to my knowledge before that. And so it just got ugly and she's never said a nice word about me ever. Where is she now? This girl where? Yeah. Do we know where she is? Like what, like, is she doing anything in the Bravo or what, where is she? She did a (laughs) podcast that didn't do anything to my knowledge. I never listened to it. She did. Um, she's done galley talk, which is a, uh, it's like a mystery science theater 3000, but with previous cast members. So they watch below deck and then comment on it. Does that make sense? It's like, yeah. So how did that do? <laughs> I, I mean, they still do it every now and again. There's no like consistent airing schedule for it, but there's a lot of, it's, it's um, a medley cast. So there's a lot of people from a lot of different seasons and they mix it up every now and again, but she's been on that. Um, she did a show with a couple of housewives and that, got canceled I think was that like know. a top like where they talk about a show together I think so were you maybe talking about Kate Chastain because uh-huh. <laughs> because I can't stand that girl she is horrible she's the one that actually was screaming at Caroline Mm-hmm. on the show when she knew she was already having a breakdown saying the most horrific stuff and didn't she have some issue with like drugs and alcohol too like wasn't there something about that also like I remember oh yeah and what you what you were asking was what are the three big scandals and I would say the first one was that she brought like had a girlfriend that who is a professional soccer player that came to visit her and they um while she was filming the season so we saw uh Roe I think was her name and then a couple months later after the show had aired, there was big news that Kate had gotten arrested for um, biting and punching and scratching maybe her in some domestic violence issue. Oh, geez. Yeah. So that I would say that's probably scandal number one. But, okay. So that's, but that yeah, wasn't ha- enough for Bravo to stop using her on the show. So, of course, she came back several more seasons after that. So. She's been on the show for a few seasons. Right? Several. Yeah. 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 She, um, the last two seasons have had other chief stews. Yeah. So I think six or seven years, maybe. 
So yeah, how did this girl get cast? I don't understand. She's horrific. I thought she was awful. I yeah, really did. She wanted my job. She she thought that she would be better at it than me. Turns out she was correct because what they wanted was a mean girl and that was never going to be me. I was never going to go out of my way to make somebody feel bad about themselves just for the sake of entertainment, even though oh that's gosh. what they were shooting for. It. Oh God, you're like, the, you're like the Dana Wilkie of Below Deck. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, you're, you're still iconic. I mean, and you're an OG. So like, you know, she, she can't ever touch that OGs are, you know, OGs. That's, that's entirely accurate. I mean, <laughs> for, for what it's worth, I'm okay with her getting my sloppy seconds on the show. <laughs> I love it. Well, uh, she doesn't really do anything. I don't think with Bravo anymore. I haven't seen her around in a while. So I think she's like, I don't know, she must've fallen out of grace with the, the thing is with the, the evil villain girls, Andy has this way of like putting them front and center. He like uses them up and then spits them out. So like, he'll take everything and he'll, you know, he'll just take it all from them and he'll put them in front of the fans and he'll build them up. And then he'll, they'll just, you know, he'll destroy them and leave them out. Like in the colds, frozen, naked and alone. That's what happens. <laughs> okay. So, so I'm, you, I guess I'm glad that that wasn't ever me. <laughs> yeah, no, it, you definitely dodged a bullet. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, I've seen him do it with so many girls. I'm like, oh, you're riding high now, honey. Yeah. Watch, wait yeah for it. It's coming because everybody has their day. Um, so it, what was the other two scandals that you think were like the biggest to just like get me up to date? Mm. Um, well, you mentioned one of them, which was Mark. Um, you know, at, at the time when that happened, there was a lot of speculation and a lot of rumors flying around about what happened with him. And turns out it was just a really bad, tragic accident. Yeah. He is such a nice guy. And I, I felt so badly because I know him and I know a lot of the cast that has, was on the show with him, Tiffany and Brian and Bobby, and everybody was just horrified that the news that was getting out about it before anybody could control it was so inaccurate and, and terrible. And even worse than that, it's his wife and his family that had to listen to that shit. And I was, so that's part of the reason why we had Norma, who fans are familiar with because Sandy is really good friends with her. And Sandy calls Norma to get crew for when she has somebody that quits or leaves or gets fired or whatever. Sandy's so people, the other captain, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. She's the captain on the med and Sandy's an awesome person too. I, I have known Sandy for a really long time. I think she says things that get, gets her in trouble. Um, because she says things without thinking sometimes, but she doesn't have malicious intent. She's not, she's not a bad person. Um, and I think that if anybody was going to replace Mark on the series, cause he just wasn't that into it. And you can tell when you watch his season, he was season one of below deck med that he just wasn't that into it. He was a real captain. He was a real captain. <laughs> yeah. Again, they were casting real people at this point just to see like, you know, what would happen? Yeah. yeah. Like what's a real captain? Like, but can I just say, okay, so his name was captain Mark Howard. Correct. And, and for all of you guys who don't know, um, he was found in his bedroom, passed away. And, uh, there was lots of like people thinking it was foul play because of the way he was found. Uh, but it turned out that he just had like an accident and he like fell or hit his head or something. Um, 
and so wasn't that it? And then, and yes. the, yeah, and, and it was just a freak accident and that's how he passed away. But it, it, you know, the fans obviously at first were like, whoa, you know, they, they, they sensationalized it, which was unfortunate for his wife because, you know, she was away and you can, I think it was even like TMZ that sensationalized it. I mean, there were no bounds to that. Yeah. They said like, you know, like questionable death or, you know, like something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. Um, so yeah, so that makes sense. That would be a two for me. What else we got? (laughs) I think the biggest thing that has happened on and off camera in any below deck franchise since its inception was what happened with Sandy and Hannah leaving. And all, what happened? What happened? Tell me like um, I'm an idiot. Go ahead. It, it's, I mean, there's a lot to it, but I'll try to sum it up like elevator pitch style. Love it. Malia, who is the bosun on that season, um, was a little upset with Hannah because her boyfriend came in as a chef to replace the chef that had left that everybody loved. Kiko. And, um, so she went to Hannah and said, I want to share a room with my boyfriend. And Hannah was like, yeah, nobody else wants to switch rooms. So sorry about that. And in short order, Malia went through her personal belongings, which she did not have authorization to do and sent pictures and text messages to the captain saying she has drugs that she's taking that she didn't report to you and a vape pen that she claimed was THC and Hannah got fired. And so Sandy pulled her up to the pilot house and unceremoniously fired her mid season. And it was electric. It was the craziest thing. And it was all by the way, during lockdown, when everybody, the season was airing during like the heaviest part of lockdown when nobody had anything else to do except for watch Bravo. (laughs) And so the, online traffic about this was just insane because Hannah is one of the people that was a staple in the show. And so for her to just be unceremoniously ripped out of that after five or six years of doing the show was really painful to watch. And I know Hannah and I think she's great. And I think there was fault on both sides of that, including production. Um, it made me angry that there was a, a massive misrepresentation of what maritime law is because that that they really misquoted what the rules were um uh, surrounding all of that because it's different in every country and it's different on every boat and every management company has a different you know set of requirements and rules that you have to follow but it was really pretty foggy except for them trying to absolve themselves of unceremoniously kicking off one of the stars of the show yeah so why did they production want to fire her really that's the real mystery because they wouldn't have allowed it if, if they didn't want to allow it. I think it probably had something to do with money. And I think it also probably had something to do with the fact that Hannah was kind of over the whole thing and you could tell. Okay. I mean, I think she was on, on the waning end of, of her time on below deck. And that was by far out of every season, the most dramatic thing that's ever happened. So they got the ratings that they wanted for sure. You know, what's really funny. Have you ever read what daily dish says about you? (laughs) I haven't. I don't. What is the daily dish? Oh, it's one of the gossip rags. I love this. Let me read it to you because this is fun. Ready? Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
Fans of the first season of Below Deck remember Adrian Gang as the professional demanding first steward who not only feuded with lazy and drunk crew members, but found herself at the center of a vegetable and green juice shortage controversy. Mm. <laughs> wow, that sounds really hard. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> a yachting veteran, Adrian repeatedly and memorably clashed with newbie steward Samantha Orme in particular. Yet she was unapologetic. And then you wrote, you said this, I think that it can happen in any working environment that you encounter people that just rub you the wrong way. Even that's professional, Adrian, really. I'm giving you like cheers, ready? Adrian blogged on bravotv.com. Oh my God, I used to blog too. Remember they made us all blog. Uh-huh. <laughs> like we were that old, yeah. Um, she said, I think Sam is smart, fun-loving girl, but that she never really took her position as a stew on the yacht very seriously. And I still had a job to do. And then it goes on. After season one ended, Adrian left the crew of The Honor. The Honor, which was AKA what? Uh, Cordy Leon. Right. The 164-foot uh, yacht featured on the show's Caribbean charter, but she didn't leave yachting. Within two weeks of leaving, she found herself working on a new boat where she was the sole steward. Is that true? No. No, I went back to being a chef. <laughs> Okay. Love it. Okay. These days, Adrian is currently based in South Florida. Where are you based? Uh, well, I live in Tampa, but at the time that they wrote that, I was probably still in Fort Lauderdale. So. Oh, you lived in Fort Lauderdale? Yeah. For like uh, eight years, nine years. Yeah. I dated the guy who's supposed to be the king of Fort Lauderdale and he had yachts. I wonder if you know him. Tell me. Steve. Oh God. What was his last name? Oh, you dated him? Yeah. Steve, oh. he owned a restaurant on the waterway. Shooters? And he used to... Was it called Shooters? No. Oh, it might've been Shooters. It, it might've been. It was like he had a pool there and they yeah, do all it, sorts of- It was like a big spring and break spot at one point. Yes, yes. And he had a, he had a, like a, a 20,000 square foot house on the, and he used to have parties where people dressed up like sailors and shit. That's why I thought maybe you'd heard of him. <laughs> That might have been a bit before my time, but uh, I know shooters. <laughs> and so, yeah, what was his name? He was a mess. Anyway, I was hoping he had some gossip, but that's okay. All right. Um, so then uh, let's see. Uh, she briefly re returned to Below Deck during season two as a guest star. She was invited by a former charter customer and drama with another old employee, Cat Held, ensued. Although they eventually made up with Adrian hiring Kat to work on one of her crew's off-camera things, which took a, a bad turn again after Kat implied that Adrian is a lesbian. And then it Correct. says, okay, what happened with that? Um, well, um, <laughs> just to get me up to date here. So I hired, so off-camera after she filmed season two, Kat called me, I'm sure out of sheer desperation because nobody else would hire her because of her bad behavior on the show. And asked me if I would give her a shot working on a boat with me. I was running a 130 foot boat at that point in time. And I said, okay. And we did an entire trip up North for the summer. I met her parents because they live just outside of Newport, Rhode Island. And we were there for a while and we had an amazing time and a great summer. And as we were wrapping up the summer, her second season was airing including my guest appearance on the show. And we were sitting right next to each other, live tweeting during all of the episodes. 
And then she went on Watch What Happens Live and told the entire world that I was a lesbian right after, right after, are you ready for this? She was the first person that knew that the guy that I was dating at the time was going to propose to me because she was working on the boat with me at the time. She went to try on wedding dresses with me in Rhode Island when we were there. And then she still went on Andy Cohen and told the world that I was a lesbian because that's what they told her to say is what she said to me. And I was like, that's cool. Okay. Well then at least I know where you stand in loyalty here since I gave you a fucking job. No biggie. But so were we you, worked. you weren't a lesbian, right? You were. No. <laughs> so why no. would she say that? What is, because they all speculated that I was because I wasn't interested in shagging any of the guys on our crew. Ew. Yeah. Who would want to shag those types of guys? Those are pretty, except for Casey. <laughs> I mean, look, there were some, there were some nice guys on my crew and there were some good ish looking guys on my crew, but none of them were my type and none of them were tall enough for me, except for CJ, who was already shagging Sam on my season. So, so you I would mean, have been that's... the only, the only good guy on that, that you would have, yeah, well, for. he wouldn't have been he's a nut job, but I mean, at the very <laughs> least he was taller than all the rest of them and taller than me. And none of the rest of them were. So, so. what happened after she called you a lesbian on the show? We had a real serious chat and I didn't, she told me that they told her to say that and that they weren't, they told her that if she said it, that she would get to come back for, I know this is a familiar story now that she would get, get to come back for another season. And so she did it thinking there would be no real life repercussions and that my feelings shouldn't be hurt by that, which they were, but we worked through that. And then um, we got into an argument about select a size paper towels and she stormed off the boat and went and got drunk in the middle of a trip and uh, I had to fire her. That's it's not it's an anticlimactic ending, but that's no, what I, I like the firing's good. I mean, that was good. <laughs> well, I didn't have a choice. How did you do it? <laughs> um, well, I had to tell her dad because she was too drunk to remember what happened. Oh my god, that's terrible. I had to call her dad to come and get her and all of her stuff off the boat. Oh my goodness. This is a tough show. I'm just saying like, just hearing it, I'm kind of like, wow. Um, well, and I feel like I was traumatized and then re-traumatized and then traumatized again. And they knew what they were doing and they did it. And I've had a couple of people apologize to me over the years. And I know that there's some of the production people that still know everything that I did and put into that show and all the time and energy. Like I was literally the only person in Fort Lauderdale that had anything to do with production before we filmed the show. I met Lee before we started filming because I had to go to the boat with a very small budget and redecorate the entire thing before it left to go to the Caribbean because everybody else was in LA. So they sent me to the boat and they were like, look, it's really bland on the inside. We need some colorful throw blankets and pillows and some, you know, stuff that's interesting to look at because it's very like cream and khaki and that's boring on camera. So I went and met Lee. And the first time that I met him, I walked on the boat and he had my resume printed out on his desk. And he sat there with his feet up on the desk and basically told me that I had no right to be there and I didn't deserve that. And I don't have enough, enough experience for that job. And I was like, okay, but I'm really just here to pick out pillows. So (laughs) if this production team thinks I'm qualified enough to do this job, you're stuck with me. Sorry. Bye. You know, but that was a really shitty way to start and it didn't improve. 
I, 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 it sounds like it was tough and, and you, so like what other, like for you, is there anything like, I did see some press, you don't have to talk about it if you don't want to, but I see that a lot of people, uh, like you had a really bad thing happen to you, um, in November, uh, which are you talking about the miscarriage? No, well, I didn't know about the miscarriage. I'm sorry to hear that. I've had one too. Um, yeah, I had a miscarriage in November that I, you know, I wasn't sure if I wanted to go public with it, but as soon as I did, it's astounding the amount of people that reached out to me because almost nobody talks about it. I think Chrissy Teigen has recently, I don't remember when that happened, but it was maybe right around the same time, but I decided to go public with it because I realized how lonely I felt when that happened. And until I actually started having conversations about it, normal adult conversations with normal adults, I didn't realize how common it was. So when that happened and I started actually having conversations about it, it was really cathartic to be able to talk to other people and hear their, you know, tragic stories. And then the, the happy stories that happened after that, it actually made me feel a lot better than just keeping it to myself, which is what unfortunately most people do. Me so, too. I, yeah. I talked about mine and I was, it made me feel a lot better because it happens more often than people let on. Everybody mm-hmm. makes it sound like it's just always perfect. Right. And it, it isn't, especially like your first time. That's what's right. really shocking. It's like your first uh, time you get pregnant, a lot of women lose the baby, you know, right. because it just is, I don't know, but it's definitely not, uh, you know, I, I think it happens more often than people let on to. And I think it makes you feel less alone and not so scared, you know? Right. And not so, I mean, the first things that go through your mind are, what did I do wrong? Did I not eat something that I did not take enough vitamins? Like all of the things that spiral through your head. And then the more conversations that you have and you realize like, that's just kind of nature's way of handling things that aren't right in the first place. Yeah. And I'm okay with it now. I mean, that was November. It was right before Thanksgiving and it was terrible because it was right before we were going to announce to everybody, you know, and that was really hard, but because a handful of people knew, but to be honest with you, I am grateful for the experience to have happened because now I know going into the next one, whenever that happens, that I'll be in a much better headspace. It won't, it, it also won't be a surprise because <laughs> the first one was. So you is know. this your first year? Well, you have kids, right? No, I have, yes. I have fur babies. Okay. So you're, this is your first baby with your husband. When did you get married? Um, it'll be four years in July. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. That's so awesome. Well, listen, if it makes you feel better, I didn't know this was your first baby. And, uh, my first baby was the one I had the problem with that I had the miscarriage and, you know, it happens a lot with the first baby. So just so you know, like, I mean, to many of my friends, not just me, we've talked about it. Well, and that's the crazy part is once I started having conversations with people, they were like, yeah, "Yeah, it happened to me. It happened to my sister. It happened to my best friend in college. (laughs) Like it's wild. And, and it's just, I, it's a club that nobody ever wants to be a part of, but it's a much bigger club than anybody realizes until it happens till you're in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. No one talks about it a lot less alone. And I'm okay with that. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm good with that because of the connections that I've been able to build and, 
and the relationships that were deepened because I was able to have those conversations. And I, I don't, I'm not as scared as I was. If that oh yeah, sense. no, the uh, second times it is definitely going to be perfect. I feel it. <laughs> well, thank you. Get but on that's that. That's not what you were talking about. You said something else. Oh, there was another thing uh, that I, I read. It, it could be all BS. I don't know. It just said that you got drugged GHB or something that happened in between filming and um, my show airing. So there was about a year and a half in between us actually filming my show, which happened in 2011. And then it aired finally in 2013. I was out at a bar with a couple of girlfriends of my, we were actually at a really nice restaurant, not a bar in Tampa. And um, the last thing I remember was saying that I was going to go to the bathroom as we were all getting up to leave. And then the next thing I knew I woke up in county jail and I had no idea how I got there. Like I no came way. to, I, I, my senses came to me several hours later. And what we ended up realizing is that there was a, a group of gentlemen at a table that sent a bottle of wine to us. And the waiter, instead of bringing it from the bar to us, brought it from the table to us. Oh, and there shit. were two other girls that were still there with me. And one of them didn't drink any of it because she doesn't drink red wine. And the other one was so drunk on peppermint martinis that she didn't even know that she got drugged. And um, yeah, it was a mess. But I did, I actually did, when that happened, and the news broke about that. I did more interviews about that and more TV press about that than I ever did about Below Deck when it finally aired. Well, because it's shocking. And, and but, you know, GHB, to be fair, if that's what they drugged you with is really mm -hmm. strong. Like a lot of people don't know, but if you're in Vegas and someone's passing around a clear vial, which usually would be, if it's liquid, is GHB, it's pure X. Mm -hmm. So it actually like, it can kill you if you drink too much of it. Just like if you have more than like a, a set, you could, it could actually kill you. So it's oh, really- for sure. And that's what I, I, as soon as I was released the next morning, I went straight to a drug testing facility and I got a rape panel drug test done, which covers ketamine, GHB, all of that stuff. And I had to wait 10 days for the results, which was nerve wracking. Oh, and God, when the guy who owned the drug testing facility called me, he said, you really should sit down for this. He goes, this is, this should have been a lethal dose of, of this drug because it's even 12 hours later, when you did this test, it was still this visible with this much in your system that it should have killed you and you're lucky. Yeah. It causes your body to overheat and you, you go into shock and you die and that it happens in nightclubs in Vegas, you know a lot and so, at festivals and, and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So I started working with a company out of Tallahassee, um, called drink safe that, um, provides test strips. You can buy test strips that you carry in your purse and you just put a little dab of your drink on it. If you think it's been dosed and it'll tell you right away. Oh my God. That's so oh, smart. That's incredible. That's an yeah. incredible, incredible thing. Wait, yeah. say it again and get, and get Amazon up everybody right now, especially if you're a single girl, you need this. Go ahead. I, look, you don't even have to be a single girl. Everybody should have still... these in their wallet or in their purse. And you have to, you have to, um, get them every year because they only last about a year, especially if they're in your purse or your wallet or whatever they, they break down a little bit, but I mean, it's worth the 10 bucks or 15 bucks or whatever they are now. And there's five or six cards per packet. 
in there and you can just keep them on your person. They're called drink safe. Um, and I can get you the link to put in with the podcast, but yeah, it's, that'd be great. it's amazing. There's a lot of people that think, because there was a lot of press about it, that there's a nail polish that you can get that you put it on your nails and you dip it into your drink and it'll tell you, but they, they never got the funding for that. So that doesn't actually exist. Okay. Not no, I'd never heard of this. I think it's so important, especially when you're traveling like in Vegas or Mexico or Miami, there was a big incident in Miami where there was a, a group of guys they thought they were, you know, I guess the way that they, they thought when they did the investigation was that they were tourists, but they were in like a, a series of a weekend, like three girls were drugged. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So they, I guess that they, they somehow figured out that it was like these, this group of guys that came in on a tourist thing and they were just seeing what they could get away with, with the girls. But yeah, how scary. It was terrifying. I, at the same time, I mean, it was a crappy thing that happened, but I'm glad that I had a platform at the time to be able to talk about it and to be able to help other people. I did, you know, speaking engagements at college campuses to talk to sorority girls about it. I went to, you know, a couple of different colleges here locally in Tampa to talk about it. I mean, it was, it was rough, but same thing. The more I talked about it, the more cathartic it was because a lot of people won't talk about it. It's the same thing like a miscarriage. There's a lot of shame and guilt associated with it, even though it's not your fault, you know? And I think yeah. that that's seems to be a running theme now that I mention it. <laughs> We're like, wait a minute. <laughs> but again, I'm glad I have a platform. I'm grateful for Below Deck has been a really interesting love and hate relationship for me. I hate the way that my season went. I, I hate the way that I felt afterwards, but the amount of amazing opportunities that it has afforded me with my networking ability and getting to talk with people like you, like this would never have happened if I had just stayed a chef in the yachting industry, you know? So it's opened my world up to a lot of different amazing opportunities. I do charity events and stuff like that all the time where I'm auctioning off my chef services you know, I've got two of those that I have to fulfill this year um, where I'm contributing just because of my association with Below Deck that I'm able to help other people. And I love that, you know, it's of course it's it's epic. And you know what? I have to tell you uh, when you're allowed to create your art in the way that you want to create it, which obviously is manifesting itself in your podcast, right? it, you know, you're going to shine. So you're, what was great about below deck for you is you got all this insider information on how a show like that comes together and what it's like to be on that show and how it can give you PTSD and who nailed it and who didn't. And, and then you can take all of that and add it to your obvious great professionalism and intelligence, and you can then create art with it. That's more your speed. And that's great. And, and that's what I see has happened to you. And, you know, I think it's fabulous. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. And like I said, I don't think below deck would, you know, people ask me all the time if I would go back to below deck and to be honest with you, I don't, I don't think I would want to invite that level of chaos back into my life at this point. Like I'm happy. I'm married. My husband's pretty cool. My dogs are pretty cool. My life is pretty cool. And I still get to work on yachts when I want to. So, I mean, it's, I'm in the process of scouting for a retail location to open my own catering company here in Tampa. So that's exciting. So I will be a landlubber 
Ahoy. Eventually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you could always, you know, you could always do a show about food on a oh, yacht. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, that's the, the best part. I used to do, uh, I used to rent mega yachts for the film festivals. Oh yeah. Nice. Yeah. And I, I actually rented the, the, the largest yacht, the second largest yacht, the third largest yacht in the world. And I, I got to also go on Paul Allen's yacht and some really epic yachts. Amazing. And yeah. And one of the, my favorite things about, you know, maybe not on Paul Allen's yacht, but everybody else's yacht. I loved the food. I mean, the food was so extraordinary and amazing. And I mean, I think you can even relate to that on like carnival cruise, like, <laughs> like the best part of that cruise is the food, right? Cause they have like so much, you know, it's just like everything everywhere. And I do think that there would be, that would be like a really fun food network show. Just saying. <laughs> Let's produce just it. Wink, wink. Just throwing it out there. Kind of <laughs> totally. I, you know what? I've teased the idea of doing like a travel cooking show, like Bourdain in a bikini style. Um, you know, doing something fun like that, where I'm still tying in my love of travel, but um, also a serious food element to it, which would be a lot of fun. And then a lot of the different places that I get to go that most people don't get to see. A lot yeah, you could yachting. yacht in, get your ingredients. And then make it on the chef for like a group of very exclusive guests on the yacht. And I'll be your first, me and Casey will be your first get up guest. I'm so on the, in. On the yacht. We'll, we'll wait for Italy. <laughs> I like it. I love it too. All right. Well, let, let me ask you a question. Um, uh, you have a, a co-host uh, and her name is Jen, right? Jen Bennington. Yep. Yeah. Tell me about Jen. Cause I, I love her. So tell me all about her. She's a magical human being. Uh, I met her because she interviewed me for a different podcast that she was co-hosting years ago. And we developed this amazing friendship. And at one point she had stopped doing that podcast. And so we used to just call each other every Tuesday morning and like bitch and rant and moan about the episodes and give our opinions. And one day I was just like, you know what, Jen, we should really turn this into a podcast. We should really invite other people in on this conversation because it's so entertaining. And the fun dynamic about our show that's a little bit different than a lot of the other podcasts that are below deck recap podcasts is one, we interview super fans. We've had enough seasons of Below Deck now that we have historical examples of things and we can hearken back to other seasons and, and other situations that maybe are comparable or, or different from what we're watching now. And we involve super fans in that. There's a lot of podcasts that will interview cast members, which is mm -hmm. always interesting. And I listen to a lot of those. David Yontif is one of them. Um, Jason Barron is one of them. Melissa I'll tell Pinster. him tomorrow. I'm, I'm with David tomorrow morning. I'll let him know. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> he'll love it. I said, hi. He'll love, love it. Him. Yeah. He'll love it. Yeah. I love him. <laughs> and, and, you know, so that's a fun element of our show, but the other element of it that wouldn't be as magical without Jen is that she has a memory like you would not believe. And the way that she watches shows is so different than the way, or especially below deck, the way that she watches it is so different than the way that I watch it. And what's fun about our dynamic is that she is watching it from the perspective of a fan who's never been on a yacht. So she has a lot of the questions in her mind that most fans do. 
And so she presents those to me and I answer those questions. And by way of doing that, I'm answering it for the viewers as well. So not only my experience filming the show, but also still currently chefing on yachts and, and being in the profession and being able to answer a lot of her questions as to, well, why do they, why do they dock the boat that way? Why do they do this? Why do they do that? Like she has really intelligent questions that a lot of other fans are thinking. And it's fun for me to be able to answer those for her. And is she like a mom or what'd she do? She's <laughs> totally a mom. She's also a grandma now. Um, and what? she lives, <laughs> is she, you know, she lives in Ohio. So go Buckeyes. Um, oh yeah. My dad was on the board of the Buckeyes, Ohio state. Doo-hoo. I love him already. Let's yeah. meet. Let's have drinks. Sir. My dad, you'd love my dad's in the boating industry. My dad's in yachts. Perfect. <laughs> I swear. Yeah. We're going to so be weird. besties already. I, I like that. Well, I, I, Jen Bennington, you sound amazing. Jen, I want to give you a, a shout out, a special one. This is just for you. Okay. I just want to say this, Jen. Um, I drink a lot and I fuck a lot and I'm okay with it. (laughs) (laughs) Jen will know where I'm coming from on that one. Um, okay. So, uh, before we wrap it up, I, I did want to say, um, I really, I ask a lot of people this question and I, I don't know, maybe you don't have an answer, but I thought I'd ask it to you. Um, do you have like a, an Andy Cohen story or a story that like, you know, a, a high or a low, uh, from your sort of experience with Andy Cohen or, or interacting with any of the production staff, I like to share because a lot of uh, tea comes out of that when people think about it from that perspective. You know, unfortunately, I was in the phase of Below Deck where we weren't doing just uh, Watch What Happens Live. Like they bring cast members on to at a time now to do Watch What Happens Live. And we didn't have that opportunity because we were like, at the time when I was doing it, we were the redheaded stepchild of Bravo. I mean, they didn't do I, a reunion. We did a reunion in the clubhouse. We didn't do a like full on sit down like they do with Southern Charm or the Housewives or whatever, which we could never really understand. That I think sucks. they've done it once since then where they sit everybody. Down. But yeah, we had like an hour where we sat in the clubhouse and it was like a regular watch what happens live episode. They just called it a reunion. And I want to say we maybe filmed for a total of an hour and a half with and bathroom he, Did breaks. he come up to you and say hi or anything? Oh, he knew who we were, I think. Um, <laughs> Jeez. It's hard to know, but it's really <laughs> obvious that he doesn't actually watch Below Deck or give a shit about it. Um, <laughs> the way good. that he asks questions in reunions, the way that he interviews people, like the the things that he's the most interested in are the hot guys on the show and that's about it and it's disappointing because there's a lot of questions that viewers have about the seasons that he either chooses not to address or doesn't know to address because it's very apparent that he doesn't watch the damn show and i see it every time there's a reunion i i pay attention to reddit i'm on the below deck reddit thread and i interact with a lot of, I live tweet with Jen and I both live tweet during the episodes with fans. And I actually put up last week when there was no episode on for below deck sailing, I said, well, since we have a bye week and because I'm not going to watch whatever this summer house thing is, um, (laughs) what questions do you think Andy should ask 
at the reunion after the season that we've seen, you know, the parts of the season we've seen so far. And there was a lot of people that responded, but most of those questions I don't think will ever get answered. And like I said, they've done a very good job of avoidance in a lot of different things that were pretty controversial on the seasons, like the, you know, sexual assault that I explained to you earlier. So it's was interesting. There, was there anything else that you think should be addressed on the reunion for uh, Below Deck this season? Um, I think that's probably the biggest one. I There's a lot of speculation about what was going on behind the scenes and some stuff that is kind of leaked out in blind items that should probably be addressed, but because it wasn't actually aired on the show, I'm not sure that it ever will be. Oh my God, spill the blinds. You know, NT comes on my show all the time. We just did one. Actually, we have one dropping on Sunday with C. Dan. NT is who writes the blinds. Okay. I yeah. I read that after it came out. I read the <laughs> the the whole thing because somebody sent it to me. And okay. the fact that like the chef is the one who's screwing one of the producers and that's why they gave him a good edit. And that one of the girls was, um, Gabby was basically forced off of the show by production because she had a breakdown because of the racial slurs that were thrown at her, not because she just needed to leave for her own mental wellness. So, I mean, there's a lot on there. I do know for a fact that there were racial slurs thrown at her, but it was not by Daisy. Um, so that's the only thing I think that the blind item got wrong, but yeah, pretty wild stuff. So well, I believe the it. they're being sued, right? The cast members. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was saying if, if one of the producers is screwing one of the cast members, that's pretty gnarly. Well, one of the producers on mine, a huge producer made out with one of my cast members. Ooh. Yeah. Real, Which and a cast big one. member? Brandy. <laughs> oh, is oh, that the slut pig? pig yes. Slut? Yes. Pig slut. Wait, Bingo. what did you call her? Chips Ahoy. <laughs> I mean, Ahoy, Ahoy. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Well, um, I love it. I'm going to get into these blinds now. I, I need to pay more attention to uh, the blinds. You know that Nini is suing the network, uh, NBC and Andy Cohen, because of um, Real Housewives of Atlanta that she had to endure uh, racist slurs and that she felt that, uh, she wasn't protected at all by production and certain things. And there's rumors that allegedly faith, who was the one who got some of the Vanderpump rules, people fired also is going to be suing, uh, Bravo, Andy Cohen and NBC for a similar situation, uh, feeling pressured and, um, other things in terms of, um, you know, just people being allowed to be racist on the show, I guess, and maybe making them therefore feel like production's a little racist because they're not stepping in much like in Carolyn Bedol's situation and saying like, this has gone too far. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, it's like crazy. I don't know. It's nuts, but, um, I wouldn't want to like be until production and by way of production, I also mean Bravo knows how to adequately handle situations like this, especially with people of color and protect them in these situations because it becomes so toxic that they have no business dealing with it in the first place. 
you know, it's just become glaringly obvious because it's now happened on three seasons successively on below deck on all of the, so below deck, below deck Mediterranean and below deck sailing that something like this has happened, that they have the responsibility, not only as a network, but as humans to do better. And I don't, I see them sweeping it under the rug, like they did with this last sailing season, instead of doing the right thing and handling it in the moment and managing it appropriately. They have canceled people on below deck. They canceled a guy named Pete who posted some stupid, I'm, I'm not saying stupid because it wasn't offensive. I'm saying stupidly posted something that could be construed as racist. They edited him out of half of a season of the show where like he just disappeared one day and nobody knew what happened to him. He was still there. He was still there during filming because it it was post he posted it after filming, but they edited him out of half of the season of the show because of an Instagram post. So for them to continue to allow people who are doing things like that and worse and in the moment to just slide with it and then covering it up by making the story different and telling the cast to recite some other lines to make the excuse for them leaving different is just fucking bullshit. Well, let me tell you, angry. I've got, I've got to tell you something. So on my season, originally the producers were egging the women on to say that Taylor was uh, lying about being abused by her husband. And in fact, I was the only one really standing up for Taylor saying that if my friend said it, then it happened. And they tried, tried to downplay that aspect of the story, okay? And what ended up happening is when uh, Russell committed suicide, suddenly the the storyline was like, uh, how do I say it? The way they handled the situation, they did like a special about it. They did like an extra episode about it um, where suddenly everybody like is on Taylor's side and it's like, really, you know, everything's very supportive and, um, you know, now they're pro suicide and mental health illness and all this stuff. Right. But the sinister part is that nobody really was pushing the lying storyline except for production. Mm -hmm. So in other words, it wasn't like there were a bunch of cast members that were feeling that way they were kind of meant to create drama by being like pushed in that direction. Right. Which is fucked up. Yeah. So it's kind of like, it would be like me, you know, kind of forcing you to take a position, then you get canceled for it. And then I pretend like I never forced you to do it. Right. Right. So yeah, that's, that's yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm just that's saying it's point. like, it, it really, it was, it's pretty astounding stuff. Um, but, uh, well, I'm just, you know, then there's us and we just keep championing away at what we do. So <laughs> I mean, to- I'm, I'm good with it again. I, it was traumatic when it happened. It, there has been shitty moments along the way, but I have to say in total, looking back at the last 11 years of my life, I'm happy that I did it because I don't have any what ifs about it. If that makes any sense. Like I gave it a shot. It's always difficult to be the first to do anything. And I knew that, and I had resigned myself to that. Um, I thought more was going to come 
out of it with the network. At least I had hopes that it would, but in retrospect, I'm glad that it didn't. Yeah. Because you could could do another one anyway. I really feel like you haven't tried because you could, I I know that you're like, you're awesome. I can tell. Thank you. Yeah. You're just, what you are is you're, you're formal. You're, you're like thoughtful, you're intelligent, like, but you're also, that no is non- not Bravo material, honey, but you're Come also on. no nonsense, <laughs> but that it, but that is Netflix material. There is, you know, that is food network material. There are other that's Hulu. Ble- take it for me. I was just on it <laughs> like that shit. So yeah. Yeah. You definitely. All right, I, well, I mean, I'm game. I, I just don't know that I could do another. You could go on ultimate girls deck. trip, ultimate girls trip below deck. I did, Hey, Casey, did you see that they named uh, Ultimate Girls Trip ex-wives or something? Did you see that? Yeah. Well, I think this version, this season is all ex-housewives, all people who have been fired. But what, so Ultimate Girls Trip season one, wasn't that? What was season one called? Just where um, we, we need to have a moment about this. That's fine. I think it was just called Ultimate Girls Trip and this one's. I know ultimate girls trip X wives. What the hell is that? So mean? maybe fired just wives. Stand. Yeah. Everyone, everyone's been let go. Are you shitting me? That is the most demeaning sub name of a freaking show. <laughs> <laughs> you know what though? I wouldn't be sad if they were like X below deckers come back and do something like have a fun vacation. I wouldn't be pissed about that. I would be like, you know what? You would be if, if they called guys- it fired people. If they were like right, fired below well, the fired I wasn't below fired. Deck. I just wasn't brought back. Like that's, that's what I'm saying. So they call yeah. this X the X wives like X. Like the X is the problem. It sounds like I get where you're coming from. I feel like still, if they called me and they were like, yeah, we're going to throw a bunch of you guys on a boat with a crew that's taking care of you. And there you go. Have some fun. I'd be like, all right, well now people actually get to see my personality because I'm not stressed out and I'm not working. So yeah, I'd like cool. to see you on that show. If they ever came to me and said, we'd like you to be on ultimate girls trip friends of, I'd say you can fuck yourself. Bravo. <laughs> right. Casey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And on that note, we'll wrap this show up. Adrian, thank <laughs> you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Do you want to plug your show one more time? Yep. Um, if anybody's interested, you can check out Gangplank Report everywhere you get podcasts. Uh, we release on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Tuesday is our recap episodes of the previous Below Deck episode. And uh, Thursdays is our super fan interviews. And if you want to be a super fan, let me know. Come on. Love it. Love it. And we'll put all of Adrian's stuff in the description of the episode. $5,000 sale.